0: Well, welcome back to the show with Mark and Miles, the Questions Podcast. We're having fun around here, I think. The weather all of a sudden got hot. Man, oh man,
1: it's been a little crazy. You know, how on, on the way into work this morning, I was thinking people are like, so what's going on with you guys? And I always say, hey, we're having fun. And Are we allowed to have fun? We are, but yeah. I, I was thinking like, somebody might go like, oh, is that what you guys, you know, just all you do is have fun or this or that? I think, better term, we have joy. That's a great way of putting it. Because, I mean, fun insinuates we're not doing serious stuff. We just got joy doing. Well, you know, on our website,
0: stuff. under the beliefs section, under the, uh, like the values, our very first value says we want everything we do to be done with joy because we have an optimistic vision of the future. So we're just trying to be consistent with our values.
1: So, question, because yeah. I've known you for a few years, a uh-huh. deeply personal question. Oh, okay. Uh, Let's get serious. Do you like almond joys?
0: Well, see, I'm not a huge coconut fan.
1: Oh, see, I'm a crazy coconut guy. I love that. I, okay, I like. It's the not flavor. real coconut. I Listen. like the
0: flavor of coconut. I don't like
1: the consistency of coconut. Okay, like yeah. even as a kid, yeah, you know that shredded coconut that yeah. people put on stuff. Yeah, I, I could reach my hand in a bag and just eat that stuff. Mm.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. not. I'm not there. I mean, you like almond I joys? Love them. Almond oh. joys got
1: nuts, and mounds don't. Mounds don't. Yeah, boy, how you remember commercials, right?
0: Yeah, and yet we can't seem to remember Bible verses. Well,
1: you're right. Some people. Well, that's because candy bars don't have na- like numbers on them. What's a famous numbered candy bar? 100 grand. That's true. We know a little bit about the 100 grand bar, don't we? Yeah, in fact, it's coming up this weekend. That's it. Father's Day. Father's Day. Woohoo! Dia. For so if, you're, if you're your dad, people,
0: you should yeah. be here at Cross Connection because we will have a special a special giveaway for dads. Special gift. Special gift. Something consumable and non-consumable, and not special dark because nobody likes those. You ever notice when you get the the mixed bag of uh, Hershey's candies? It's always yeah. the the Mr. Good bar and the the crackle. They're the
1: first to go. So if I could sing, yeah, and I was a rapper, really. That would be my rapper name. Crackle or Mr. Goodbar? No way. Special, special Dark. dark. <laughs> <laughs> They're uh, like, that guy's not that dark. I'm like, I'm Special Dark. Special, 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 dark. Like special Dark. I love it. All good, man. Man. So kind of a, um, had an elders meeting on Sunday. That was That's cool. That's always fun. Good group of guys. We yeah. We had some good time of prayer. We might be picking up some more elders. We'll see about that. Does that mean we need more supervision? Is that what we're Pretty doing? Pretty much, yeah. So, I like our old elders, too.
0: They've been around a while.
1: Yeah. They're good, good guys. guys. I like good them. Good
0: guys. They keep us on track. They're, they're uh, faithful listeners to the podcast. Most of them? Uh-huh. All of them? I think most of them. Pretty much. Nice. So, yeah. Did your wife good. listen to the podcast? Not really. Mine doesn't either lately. She listened once. Yeah? Because I told her I talked about her in a good way, and she, she had to check it out. Just so, to make so, sure you make weren't sure.
1: being... Facetious. I'm never, never. I love that word. I wouldn't be that way. Just dry and cynical. You know, um, we did have we have one listener that we have one. No, no, no. We 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 have many. The multitude, the multitude of listeners. But we have one listener out there that I'm not going to give a name, uh, except Sandy. And she (sighs) she basically will text in if she was going to text something in, and it's help. Yeah, I'm listening to this against my will. Oh, really? Yeah. So her husband likes it. He's forcing her to listen. I wonder if the, is this more of a dude cast
0: or a? That's a good question. We can't really tell on our analytics whether or not it's primarily guys who listen or not. Although I will say that podcasts are on the rise in America, and mostly it's a, a male listenership. I'm, I read in the articles.
1: Hmm. hmm, that makes
0: sense. Predominantly guys. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I like it. I well, like so uh, in our in our news moment this week, I, I didn't find any crazy, weird articles, but we got a well, couple questions that deal with yeah. some. some Cra- it is crazy some news. Yeah. Some questions that deal with the news. So, so that that's good. That's helpful. People are finding news stories for us.
1: Oh, they're sending them in. Yeah.
0: Well, oh wow! Yeah, this is where these came from. I
1: didn't come up with these. Oh, usually you investigate these top. You surprise me with them. Yeah, and throw them to you, knowing now that you've I'm, got a tiny bit of advance notice. Yeah, now I now I actually got to read the question. Yeah. So, uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and read it then. All Without right. Further here we go. ado, that's my French word for today. Adieu. 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 Do you know what it means? I, I think it's like to wait. I was. I or was gonna, not stalling. Anymore. I was going to. I was expecting you to say I do. I do. I do. Adieu. Yeah, yeah. I do. We hear that a lot at weddings. I do.
0: That's the most important thing to hear at a wedding. Isn't that crazy? Technically, you are not married until you both say, I do. And, and that's before all witnesses. it
1: takes is a license and two
0: consenting I do's. Right. I was just having a conversation with my mom about this the other day. And I said, I, I would look forward to doing a wedding that was purely a technical, legal wedding. I would just stand up there with witnesses and the two, the bride and the groom. And you say, do you? I do. Do you? I do.
1: You're married. Done. Boom. It is finished. Tell a story. There we go. What was the What is your favorite, funnest wedding as an most officiant fun or coolest wedding thing? You know, what, what's what's the if, of all the weddings you've done? Yeah, like what's one of your faves? Like specific wedding was or yeah. just the favorite was there a, part was, of the Was there a was there a wedding that you this, officiated that you just sticks out?
0: This is going to be, be horrible. They all kind of mashed together. Oh really? But see, you've done some weddings for your kids, so. I'm assuming
1: that that's going to take the cake at the top of the list. Well, that uh, that's one cool factor, right. to do with your kid's wedding. That's that's something. Yeah. And, and just a hint, you other pastors out there, if you're ever doing your own kid's wedding... I expect maybe someday I might. It'd be cool. Good just possibility. a little handy practical hint from uh-huh. Pastor Mark. Don't cry? Well, you don't want to cry. Yeah. you know. Did In you fact, get teary-eyed at a wedding for your kids? For a second. For a second. But I had a plan. Oh, Really? So here's what I did. I took a San Diego gas and electric bill and a water <laughs> bill, and I stuck it in my pocket. And when I felt myself getting just a little bit choked up, I just rubbed on that a little bit. And SDG and he
0: flashed before your
1: eyes. And yes. Heads. No, I'm no and longer you, sad. I'm yeah, just I, mad. Yeah. I, no, no, no. It's just the fact that I knew that that bill would be going one direction, and it would be going down. Oh. After you, their exit. Well, there you go. Put a Costco That's bill so in there. Wise. Maybe your car insurance and, you know. Man, you yeah. are a smart guy. It's just a little shot of reality. You have the good and the bad. There you go. And then somehow they're like, man, you really sucked it up. What happened? Yep. I was prepared. Yeah. So, all right, newsflash. 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 All right. Uh, I just looked up the scientific and scripture discussion on when life begins. All right. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. There is the embryological view, the neuro... Neuro. Nero. Not Nero like the emperor, but we're talking like Nero like neurology. Yeah. So the neurogenical... Neurogenesis, yeah. Neurological view, the ecological view. uh, I think babies are good for the planet. I'm down with that. Uh, The birth view and the zygote view. Then I went to what our Bible teaches, that life begins after fertilization... I was researching it in light of the Hyde Amendment and the pros and cons. What is your view?
0: So this is in the news in a big way. Abortion is really at the top of the news
1: cycle lately. You know, they thought that thing was done, didn't they? Yeah. They thought that was never going to... It was never going to change. There's been a big shift in American
0: culture on this one, which I think is a good shift. Oh, amazing. Awesome. I'm really encouraged by it. So there's different views here. The zygote view, that's at fertilization. The embryological view is when the zygote turns to an embryo. Now you have a human embryo. The neurogenical view is neurogenesis, when the brain activity begins. And the ecological view is when the, when the, the baby, I'm not going to call it a baby. I know people like to say fetus. When the baby can survive viability outside of the womb. And the birth view is at birth, so there's different views that's been this constant discussion about when does life begin. So the Christian view, the biblical view, is life begins at conception, which would be the zygote view. So, but uh, but this is the constant thing. People go back and forth. Do you remember back in the 2008 presidential election, uh, Rick Warren, Pastor Rick, he had both John McCain, who was running for president in 2008, and uh, Barack Obama. Both of them came and did a, a thing at his church, and he asked them both that question. John McCain gave the right answer. He said, "Life begins at conception." Uh, but uh, then, presidential candidate and then following president Barack Obama, he said that it was above his pay grade. To oh, that's that right.
1: Well, that was kind of a. I thought that was kind of a cop out. Kinda.
0: Yeah. 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 It's not yeah, above your pay grade, sort of. and you, I don't want to make a decision political
1: against. and. Yeah, but I mean, you know. I agree. I'm not going to get the,
0: political, but I think this is a moral discussion.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I don't really think it really requires much discussion when you're a Christian as far as uh, God's view is God's view, and I'm going to stay with that. And then it's interesting that people on the other side of this sometimes, if you start to ask them about creation and things, they'll immediately go to more of a, um, you know, the Darwin camp, so to speak. Yeah, uh, They'll go with the whole evolution thing, and uh, and you'll ask them, like, well, what do you do with this? Ba- if you just leave this thing alone, what, what's going on? This whatever you want to call it. Yeah, in the womb. Yeah, and I, I'm calling it a baby. It's going to grow like, into a human being. It's going to be a person. Yeah. So why don't you just leave it alone and see what happens? Okay. Big guy. Here's the interesting thing.
0: Yeah. So, science. Yeah. Scientific research, biology. Science. I mean, y- you can't get over the fact that this is human life at conception. Mm-hmm. So the pro-abortion camp, they like to say pro-choice. I like to say pro-abortion. Pro-abortion abortion group is is opting to no longer talk about when life begins. They don't even care anymore. They're they're tired of having that discussion because they know that science does not support their view. So this is really interesting. This is actually in the news. This came out just two days ago on June 10th. Got an audio file to play for you, and I want to get your reaction. This is from a feminist, British feminist named Sophie Lewis. What she has to say on this topic is um, interesting. Abortion is, in my opinion. Um and I recognize how controversial this is, um, a form of killing. It is a, a form of um, killing that uh, we need to be able to defend. Um, I am not interested in where a human life starts to um, exist. Um, I see the forms of making and unmaking each other as sort of continuous processes What do you think about that? Well, I mean, she just... I guess she's being honest about her view.
1: Yeah, I mean, she's got a view. It's killing, and I'm okay with it. Yeah, absolutely. So if I strangle her in the parking lot, is that an abortion? What is that? That's a good question. When does life begin? When does life end? Yeah. God, that truly is above our pay grade. We don't get to make that decision. It's not for us to make. And so... uh, Keep your hands off of it.
0: She goes on to talk in that interview about, um, she basically says the same thing about euthanasia, end of life, that we need to let people die whenever they want to, which is, um, yeah, I think that this is a, a degradation of the respect for the dignity of human life. Is not a good thing.
1: Well, and the other thing it's you know, about, and she's being narrow-minded. I'm going to just say that. Uh, the bad thing about narrow-minded uh, off the Bible thinking, so to speak, off the map thinking is... Um, what she's good with today, somebody else takes a step farther. So, Yeah, um, I mean, if you just back up, not
0: too very long ago, at the beginning of the, or the early part of the 20th century, there was a certain country that thought that certain groups of people were not really human life, and we could kind of just take their lives.
1: Well, and um, so are autistic children not viable? Yeah. Autistic people, are they not viable? Um, that can obviously, we know it's uh, straight into race, color, uh, religion. Uh, all those things, and so yeah, it's very dangerous. God did not meant for that us to think along those lines, and uh, it's a dangerous way of thinking, and uh, it can really come back to uh, destroy people and lives. And so uh, that's why one of the things about abortion, besides the fact that they're murdering babies, um, that's dangerous because that type of thinking leads into other ways, and uh, we can get very you know Orwellian. We'll say. Uh, in our thinking, and it just doesn't work. So Yeah, but, I
0: mean, uh, what what that gal said was pretty striking. I mean, it's a form of killing, but we have to defend it. It's okay. Yeah, We well, should defend that killing. I appreciate I, her honesty. Yeah, because, I mean, she's being consistent with her view. I,
1: yeah, I, I appreciate her honesty. She's yeah. certainly not trying to cloak I, it in all. I will else. say
0: that her honesty is helping our cause.
1: Yeah, well, we've got a lot of people, I think, that are really, really helping out. Uh, that uh, Alyssa, what was her name on the sex strike we talked about? Milano. Milano. She's not going to have sex again until she can have an abortion. So she's preaching abstinence. And thank you for that, Alyssa. Yeah, keep preaching abstinence. Yeah, way Great. To go. Good it job. Works. Yeah. We won't have,
0: we won't really have very many abortions if she keeps preaching abstinence and people take heart yeah. to that. Yeah. So,
1: and I'm, I'm definitely pro-choice. You have a choice whether you want to hop into bed with somebody or not. You so do you, get to choose. You have a choice if you want to be pregnant or not. So right. um, it's pretty, pretty avoidable.
0: There you go. I think we answered that one. Life yeah. begins at conception. That's the biblical view. That's our view.
1: No negotiation over here from this chair. Mm -hmm. It begins at conception. So uh, I'm just going to agree with God and I'll always be right.
0: I think that's a good chance. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Good good possibility. His track
1: record is amazing. Impeccable. Wow. Okay. He hasn't downloaded me the lottery numbers, but I don't think he wants to. I think there's a reason for that. Probably.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure.
1: What would be the first thing you bought if you won the lottery? You no, already know the answer. No, to that. the cra- No, besides a Tesla. <laughs> what, what would be the crazy thing if you're going to do something crazy? How, how, okay, give me a number. How big of a lottery? Let's say you won twenty billion dollars. Twenty billion dollars. Twenty billion dollars. Oh, man, I don't I think we ever we're been. We're going to gonna change the world with it anyway. I mean, there's all kinds of great dollars. causes. Now, how awesome Jesus would it cause be?
0: Because I mean, you know as well as I do, my my standard philosophy has been, and I think yours is exactly the same. First fruits are the Lord. So, how awesome would that be? to cut a 2 billion dollar check for a tithe. I would be it'd be the happiest day of my life. I mean I think I'd be giving it to multiple multiple different things. I've got a in list right of Lord, now, but man, awesome. 2 billion dollar check? Fantastic. Tithe? Like that would be amazing. You know, uh,
1: That'd honestly, be the coolest thing ever. It would first place it would go is to the places I support already. Right, actually. I, I'm I'm really excited Absolutely. about that. Boy, you could really change the world. But God doesn't need our money, so. No,
0: but that would be fun. But oh, yeah. after after the tithe check, what would be the first thing?
1: But I'm just thinking, now, if you're going to buy something just like ridiculous and crazy.
0: I think my entire family, like it, it, everybody, we'd be going on a pretty sweet vacation. Really? My wife, she's been telling me for a long time, she would love to vacation in the Maldives.
1: The Maldives?
0: Maldives. You heard about this place? Is that like in Moldova? No. No. Okay. It's this uh, little small chain of islands on the southern tip of India down in the Indian Ocean. It, and when you see the pictures, it's pretty cool. It's like when you see the pictures of these, um, you know, huts to live in, these beautiful hotel yeah. things right on the water. They're on stilts on the water and like crystal blue clear water. That's the all dives. Wow. It's not a dive. It's not. A no, dive. it's nice. It's nice. And it's way expensive. Wow. She told me one time that she would love to go on a vacation to the Maldives. So I went, I figured, let me go see what it would cost to get the family, just the six of us, to the Maldives. I was like, yeah, that ain't happening. I'm going to have to win 20 bills.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. it's not going to happen. No, so. not going to happen.
0: It was like, yeah. yeah, let's go for five days to the Maldives and it's going to cost me like 60K. Right. No.
1: I, you know, I, I would do something crazy, like get a yogurt shop or something. A yogurt shop. Dole whip. Dole whip. It would have I, just have dole a, whip. I would have a dole whip Speaking of dole whip, put in my house.
0: Man, we're getting off topic. Someone's trying to complain, and we're not answering questions. Number two. Complain away. That's how that's,
1: <laughs> some of our greatest fans would love to complain. That's, that's great. Good. I, I mean, complain, gosh, too. I'm a you know, good complainer. How often do people complain about the government? Ain't nobody leaving the Estados Unidos, my friend. We are good complainers. Number All right. two. All right. A question for the news segment. Pope Francis... Recently approved a change to the Lord's Prayer, specifically verse thirteen from and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil end quote two do not let us fall into temptation. why, what is your opinion of this change? So why did the Pope do this? I
0: think why the Pope did this is more of a theological reason and not an actual translation or exegetical reason. They didn't do it because that's what the text says, so so that's
1: the first thing. You, you better consider. explain exegetical to people, because they're going to start to think that's like well, in, a, an in operation study, or a body part or something. Studying
0: the exegesis of Scripture is going through and studying, you know, verse by verse, word by word, looking at the original languages, and, you know, really studying and picking the text apart. But the, so it's not it's not supported by, uh, you know, translation or manuscript evidence from the New Testament, this, this change. The word lead there does not, it's never translated. It's a Greek word that's never translated as fall in the New Testament. So... So or elsewhere, so it's um it's certainly not a translation issue. I think that this is uh a shift from kind of a theological position that the Pope has on this um, but so yeah um i i don 't necessarily think it's the best shift. the closest English translation because he 's only talked about the english translation here right the the closest English translation to what he's saying, I believe is the new international version says. Or, uh, no, 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 no. New Living Translation says, and don't let us yield to temptation. So, that would be maybe the closest to what the Pope has done here in a shift. Um, So, you know what I find interesting in this is that there's a lot of Protestants, and I don't think this is a good thing. So, a lot of non Catholic Christians, so Protestant Christians,
1: they don't even know
0: the Lord's Prayer. Catholics know the Lord's Prayer pretty well. Like, you ask any Catholic, they're going to know the Lord's Prayer because they're going to pray. Our fathers. Yeah, we, we used frequently. to we used to
1: recite it in Catholic right. Church. Yeah, so they kid, know yeah. that
0: pretty well. So even though Pope Francis has made a change here, I highly doubt that a lot of the people in the Catholic Church—and there's a lot of them—who pray the Our Father very often are going to are going to shift their prayer because they probably memorized it the way that it's actually in the authorized version, or you know, however you want to look at it. So, uh, yeah, I don't think they're going to change it. But um, I do I do find this kind of an interesting shift because asking God, "Do not let me fall into the temptation." I I don't necessarily think that God is, that just doesn't fit with the way that I view God. You know, if I fall into temptation, it's not God's fault. It's my fault if I yield to temptation.
1: But um, yeah, I don't know. You have any thoughts on this one? Well, I think it'd be good for you to maybe to break down what it actually means, the way it's said. Well, do not lead us into
0: temptation. When I think of that, it immediately reminds me of another passage of scripture where it says in James chapter one, that God does not tempt us. So if I'm, being tempted, it's not God that's leading me in that direction, because James immediately says that we are tempted because of our own desires. Right. So, so it's kind
1: of like where we put the comma, so to speak, when yeah, we're reading that prayer, yeah. so to speak. Okay. So when I when I
0: think of the Lord's prayer, and I think of, do not lead me into temptation, uh, but deliver us from evil, which is also interesting, the deliver me from evil, that, that's a command. It's like you're commanding God, which is a, you know, theologically an interesting consideration too. It's like, Lord, deliver me. You know, I command you to deliver me from evil. And, um, I think it's consistent with God's character to deliver us from evil. Um, but it's not consistent. He does not lead us into temptation. Um, so when I think about that, it causes me to think if I'm being tempted, I'm being tempted because of an area of my own desires. Then it's kind of like, Lord, help me to figure out how to deal with these desires
1: and these temptations in the proper way. Those the first things come to my mind. Yeah. I, I, am kind of the same camp on that. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of wondering why the Pope did that. And is he trying to make it a little bit easier to stomach? What What is he do? I mean, I don't know what's on, old Pope Francisco's mind here. But
0: yeah, I didn't go and uh, read his uh, whole statement
1: on it, so I'm not entirely sure. Maybe we'll get him on the show sometime.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, if Pope Francis wants to call in, we can we can have him on the show. It'd be great. Yeah, we. You think we'll school him on some stuff? Uh, he's a pretty smart, dude. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not going to challenge his smart. Super that's for
1: sure. intelligent.
0: Some speaks of those speak like yeah, five oh, six yeah, languages guessing,
1: and. Uh, all that, so... We, we have a few theological disagreements, though. <laughs> we well, we would you have a few. Yeah. 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 Did you grow up with any, I don't want to say rote prayers, but prayers that you had to memorize?
0: Well, I mean, I grew up in, for a little while, in the Episcopal Church, which is kind of like Catholic, but the priests can marry. Exactly. And, uh, so Church of England, Anglican Church, Episcopal Church. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we did, we did the, um, the Lord's Prayer every week, but we sang it at the end of the service.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, it was kind of cool. So my dad was... Uh, we'd all
0: hold hands. Ooh. Yeah, you don't like that part. The hand-holding I, thing? I just remember, you know. this like, just came as a flashback. We would stand in the church, and we'd sing the Lord's Prayer, and when it says, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever, amen, then we'd all lift our hands up together, holding our hands up together. Well, you like better get the kid. memo
1: on that one or get your arm thrown out of socket. I right? was a little kid. Wow. I was an altar
0: boy in the Episcopal Church.
1: Really? Yeah. Did you
0: light candles? Exactly. What, what are altar? I did. I, I carried... Um, you know, you'd walk in the procession at the beginning. The service is very, you know, formulaic. Oh, yeah, so at the beginning yeah. of the service, the priest and all the acolytes and all the other people that were involved would walk in down the, the center aisle and, you know, you'd carry uh, uh, the cross and you'd go place the cross. And before the service started, I'd go and light the candles. Did you ever then- have the candle go out? No, no, no. Okay. Those okay. candles were cool, man. They weren't real candles. They had they had oil. and They looked like candles, but they are filled with oil and it was great. But anyway, so... Um, yeah, getting a little off topic here, but I would help with communion. So when the when every service you'd have communion at the end of the service and uh so I'd help the priest get all the stuff done for communion. It was it was pretty interesting. I kind of had a more
1: eclectic beginning in yeah. church. So um my dad was a Lutheran. Oh, okay. So we would go to I think it was St. Mark's up in Encinitas and it was kind of cool because you had Sunday school. That's more formalized as well. Yeah, and it, but we never get, went into big service, so we just because I was a little kid, so you know we learned Jesus was a good guy, the devil's a bad guy. It's good things to and learn. then You know, and I teach my kids those things. Colored some stuff and put some yarn on stuff, and it was good. We went and had a. Did donut. You got the flannel graph. Uh, well, we kind of just like cut our own stuff up, and yeah, it was pretty budget. Did you ever sing "I'm in the
0: Lord's Army"? Yes, yes. sir. I sang that one. That was one of my favorites as a kid.
1: We used to sing it in Spanish down in Mexico. Are you serious? Anque de Marche, la infanteria. Whoa. Yeah, like that, man. And I couldn't even do uh, that. And then uh, for a while, I would go to the Catholic church down the street with friends because they had to go to church. You're like multi-denominational. Well, the, the dude was, uh, he taught expositively. A Catholic guy? Yeah. Oh, cool. I, he was, I'm sure they arrested him for doing that, you know? And I just remember it's funny because underneath his robe was the old Stan Smith- Adidas tennis shoes. Oh, cool. And he'd he'd rock those. But anyway, I was going to say... a hip hip priest. Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. Left thy gifts to us be blessed. Wow. Amen. Huh. And that was the prayer we said when we were kids. I don't know this prayer. And I don't know if it was a Lutheran thing. My dad used to say it was a jail prayer. (sighs) So he knew a little bit about that as a kid. Wow. So that was the jail prayer. But anyway, yeah, that's what we grew up with. So still know that one. There Amazing. you go. I had to do my first Holy Communion. That whole thing, that was fun too. Yeah, I never. I was a horrible Catholic. I flunked out. I was just too much calisthenics let me. Let me for just me. tell you something. At the uh, the Episcopal Church, there's no grape juice for communion. It's a real deal, huh? It's a real deal. Wow. Like by the third service, the guys doing the Captain Jack Sparrow out there, huh? Maybe I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going to commandeer them wafers over there. Yeah. Well, that's the news stories for the week. Oh gosh, we got questions we should probably answer, huh? Yeah, sure, let's do that. Sure. Well, it says, question number one, if Jesus knew what was ahead of him and why he was being crucified, why did he ask God why he had forsaken him?
0: This is on the cross, one of the
1: sayings yeah. of Christ on the cross. Why have you forsaken yeah. me? My
0: God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This is taken right from the Psalms. I think actually Jesus is is using this uh, that whole instance there in the psalm He's referencing uh, Psalm 22, which begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So um, I I think there's a couple different ways to consider this and look at this when Jesus says this from the cross. One, I, I think the primary way to consider this is that he is speaking forth that reference to the Psalms which any Jewish person who's hearing this would immediately know what he's saying, and exactly. they would go back and see Psalm 22.
1: It's kind of like us with the Almond Joy commercial. We remember exactly right, what Right, exactly, yeah.
0: exactly. So it's a rabbinical form of teaching that they would they would give the first line of something, and it would immediately cause people to remember what was being said. So Psalm 22, go back and read it, um, who, whoever our listeners are, and you will see that Psalm 22 speaks perfectly about the crucifixion, and so Messianic pointing to the suffering of the uh, Messiah on the cross. So I think that he's connecting people back to the Psalm 22. Uh, The other side of this is that, another way to look at this, is that I do think we need to recognize that Jesus is fully God and fully man. His humanity and his deity mixed together. 100% God, 100% man. And so Jesus got tired. Jesus got hungry. Jesus, you know, he experienced life as we do. And there in that moment of being crushed by the weight of our sin. And apparently... The the father looks away from him in that moment. And so there is that, that reality of him taking the fullness of our sin upon himself. And in his humanity, he cries, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But I would say the primary thing is the connection to Psalm 22. That would yeah. be my thought. I
1: don't think anybody has ever like, had something catastrophic happen to them, been like in complete and total pain yeah. on the practical level, if you're a, a believer, it's really easy to go, why is this happening? Like, Lord, where are you in this? And that's an honest, good question. And I'm not saying necessarily Jesus was doing that, but that's a pretty catastrophic thing that was going on right there. I mean, I can't think of anything that would be more excruciating than to be crucified and be in the throes of death and then spiritually to have that going on. So it's pretty heavy stuff. So I was listening
0: recently, because I listen to strange things, To a Marxist, atheistic philosopher from uh, Slovenia. Isn't your wife Slovenian? She is. Yeah, from Slovenia. Her and the first lady. That's right. Uh, Slavo Zizek is his name.
1: Great man. Uh, Um, Is he vegetarian? What else is he?
0: (laughs) No, he's Hmm. an old philosopher, Marxist. I atheist. like to say, call him philosophizers. He's an interesting character. Very, okay. very, very interesting okay. character. Philosophizer. He actually was talking about this event of Christ on the cross when Christ said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he was saying that at that moment, Jesus became an atheist. And I went, wow. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. That's the best uh, way to interpret that passage, but okay.
1: Uh, I no longer believe in myself. That's a my hard My God, one.
0: my God, why have you forsaken me?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Slavo, Slavo, Jezek. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, he's not getting he's not getting vitamins. I'm yeah. not buying that one. That was really Now, here's something that's kind of crazy. if you really think about it? Well, there's truth in it. It's a crazy truth, but why is it people who, you know, get in the whole atheist thing, they always want to go back and talk about Jesus and God and the Bible? Can't they just ignore it? If God's not there, why defend it? Just For not believing go in God, away. they sure talk about God a lot. Uh, they do an amazing job. For not believing in God, they sure are angry with God a lot. Wow. You never noticed that one. Man, have you ever been angry at something that wasn't there? That just seems a little it seems weird. a little psychotic. Yeah.
0: I actually really like listening to some of these guys. They, they have some good arguments. They challenge me to think. Um, but um, it's interesting, a lot of times they're, they're arguing arguments that have been argued for four or five hundred years, and uh, that have really good answers. And a lot of times it just seems like they do not even consider what has been said by philosophers or theologians for the last five hundred years on these issues. It's like, they, they seem to think that they just came up with a new attack against God that no one's ever come up with before, and that, wow, look, we figured it out, and you guys can't answer this one. It's like, yeah, except that it was answered in 1659
1: or something, you know, it's Yeah, well, you know, your your thinking gets a little bit narrowed when you're trying to stay off the God path. Right. All right, so um, I feel like we answered that. Numero, number zwei. Yeah, so um, how do you find joy in difficult times? Mark? Wow. How do I find joy? You seem like a pretty joyful guy. I am. Do you ever go through some difficult times? I have, I have. Um, I think joy for me... Mm -hmm. Joy comes in knowing that God paid for it. Right. And eternally, it's going to always be okay. Right. It's, it's, it's More people would be enthusiastic about the stock market uh, investments if they always knew they were going to win, right? Yeah, there you go. You know? And, but my trust isn't in those things. So my trust is in the Lord. Right. And so no matter what happens, uh, I know it's going to be okay. And he alleviates me of that worry. Uh, having to sweat those things. I, when I would down, you know kind of break this down for junior high kids, I'd say, look, a guy comes to the door, uh huh, and he brings you the best pizza on the planet. Oh, I'm tasting it already. Yes, and you go to pay him for the pizza, uh huh, and he says, no, taken care of, already been paid for. That's because you won two billion, twenty billion dollars. Y- your dad took care of this. He paid for the pizza. You're good, uh huh, and. Are you going to argue about trying to pay for that pizza again, are you going to sit down and eat the pizza? Eat the pizza. I'm going to eat the pizza, and I'm going to invite friends over to eat the pizza, and that's just how I feel. Like God's already paid for it. Jesus paid for it on the cross, so I am alleviated of so much worry, so much angst, whatever happens. And I've been through some pretty horrible things and watched my family go through some horrible things at times, but you know what? I'll just say this, and I don't want to be Susie Sunshine, but... When you go through those things and you lean into the Lord, you will have a close brush and experience. And I equate it with like when the Lord passed over the rock with yeah. Moses. Uh-huh. You will have that kind of experience with the Lord if you choose to do that. And, and rather than complain and mumble and be angry with God. And he's it's okay if you're angry with God. He He can take it. He's a big boy. He can handle it. But if you choose to just be there and just to let his presence and light just come over you and just to, to minister to you, you will experience just something that when you walk away from that meeting, you will never be the same again. Yeah. And I think that's part of walking and trusting with Jesus, just walking and trusting Jesus, knowing that he's got your best interest at heart and that you may go through some stuff. It, Absolutely. It, it, it works for good. It's not always your good, okay? But I think that's... And then from there, It is joy. It is joy. And, and um, the other way I think to, even in difficult times, um, I think to discipline yourself to somehow take that experience in that difficult time and turn it into something that will minister to somebody else. And there's a great joy in taking the things that, you, that have been a pain to you and, and hard for you and going and ministering to other people with that and watching them get better yeah. Or have the right attitude or be able to just to pull out of the funk that they're in. Um, I think that helps a lot too. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say that. Um sometimes I think as Christians, I tell people all the time, don't waste the trial. And they're like, what does that mean? I go, if you just sit there and grunt and you know, sour your face and you're you're all mad at God, you've wasted the trial. But if you go through the trial and you come out of it stronger, better, closer to God, better attitude about and a better handle on what eternity looks like and an all loving father looks out, you're going to come, you're going to come through that better and you're going to have joy in that. Yeah. Cause joy is different than happiness.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're very closely connected, but I think yeah. that for when I think about this, you know, joy in difficult times, I think that joy, my ultimate joy is connected to my ultimate hope, which is connected to my ultimate destiny. Right, And so, you know, whatever difficult thing that I might face in this life, you know, Paul writes that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us. So the, the, the shall be is, is really ultimately what I'm, I'm finding my, my ultimate joy in, you know, so that, that realization that this situation, whatever it is I might be going through, and hey, some people go through some pretty hellish, horrible things in this life, but as he said, the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed now. So that's where I, I find my ultimate joy. That doesn't mean that the situation that I'm going through right now is joy producing or happy you know, in that situation. So uh, not everything we go through in this life produces joy, but the ultimate hope that we have in Christ assures us that we are going to be with him in his presence where there's fullness of joy. Psalm 1611 says, in his presence is fullness of joy. So um, I, I find that joy ultimately
1: in that reality. Yeah. I, well, I feel like we answered that. Yeah. So next one's kind of uh, like I that. I got to join that. Uh, how can I help my children find joy? Oh, you're, you're looking oh, at me I, like... No, I was, you're, I, you're, I what... We all got kids. <laughs> yeah, just buy them everything they want. Let them watch TV all day, and just give them yeah, sugary yeah, snacks. It's summertime, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, how Is do that, I raise joyful children? Yeah,
0: give them, give them, giving them everything that they always ever want. Right? Probably doesn't work.
1: I had one of my adult children. Uh huh. And you people out there with kids, you know, moms and dads, and you put a lot of effort in them, right? And, and you're you're thinking, gosh, are they ever going to get it? Are they ever going to this or that? But it. it when they're adult children, uh-huh. one day they'll come to you, and you'll hear Hopefully. these things. Yes. Hopefully. And so one of my adult children said, you know what? We learned, I learned a lot more growing up, now that I'm an adult, from what I didn't have uh-huh. than from what I did have. And I go, what does that mean? He goes, you know, there's some people at work who are spoiled brats, and they don't consider other people. They're, no, they're just no fun to be around, no joy. Uh-huh. And uh, joy doesn't come from stuff. No, it does not. No. And so what they've learned is, you know, joy comes from helping other people. It's healthy relationships. But ultimately, it's, if you're going to pass anything on to your kids that's going to give them joy, it's got to be a solid relationship with the Lord.
0: Now, you know, it's funny that you say that joy does not come from stuff. Because, you know, we, we live in a nation where people are pursuing happiness. And we're, we're told about this whole thing called the American dream. And obviously there's been different ways in which people uh, define or describe the American dream over the years, but in, I don't know, most of my adult life, to, I'm, you hear people on the news always talk about the ultimate thing of the American dream is owning a home, that if you own a home, that's the American dream. But you know, I've been a homeowner for quite a while now Yeah, and um, having a home, you know, it's, it's nice to have a home, but it sure does bring a lot of other problems. So, like when you have an irrigation
1: pipe, yeah, I was gonna say, your driveway break. So, when that water was bubbling out of your driveway yesterday, yeah, uh, did you go out and just I went, Gosh, there's so much joy in owning a home. I better go get a new shovel. I'm so excited about this. You possibly imagine the joy of
0: ripping up my driveway to fix a a one inch PVC pipe. So, I
1: grew up in this impoverished community of La Jolla, California, right? So, impoverished, yeah, and I remember being 18 Uh and getting my dream car. Ooh. Porsche 911 SC. That just sounds like nothing but trouble. Glorious. Nothing but trouble. I remember getting that, and I remember having that about three months. Yeah. And I had so much built up in my head that this was just going to be the greatest thing and make my life complete. And I'm, you know, still kind of struggling at the time back and forth because I I wasn't really a believer yet. Uh huh. And I was like, this thing's a little bit of a pain in the neck. I can't leave it parked anywhere because people try to steal it. People scratch oh, yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, I can't just leave it sitting outside because that thing will be on a tow truck or somebody will steal that thing. Huh. And I remember it like, like, this is a lot of work taking care of this thing. And i like, I'm not sure that I own it. I feel like it owns me. I think it was about
0: 17 or so. Yeah. And this guy at the church asked if we, a group of kids in the youth group would help him move. So we go help this guy move. He was a lawyer. And he had a, a red Porsche. Oh, cool. And so we were all like, wow, that's a really cool car. And you're like 17. Like, wow, cool car. And he said, you know, I really liked that car when I first got it until I had to go and replace the brakes on it. Mm. And apparently, like Porsche brakes on one of those high-end Porsches, a little bit pricey.
1: Well, you know, it's, you got you to pay to play. Let's yeah, just say I that. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. It's, yeah uh, so
0: his happiness went downhill pretty quickly.
1: Yeah, you got to maintain that stuff. So um, yep, you
0: don't. So how can we help our children find joy? We can teach them that joy is not found in the things that we acquire in this life. Yes,
1: and another thing I think you can do is you can teach them the love of learning. Yeah, it's a joy to learn, especially when that's through the lens and the light of Jesus Christ as your Savior. Um, but teaching them
0: that the, the right there, the ultimate joy is found in Christ being your Savior. Absolutely. Yes. But
1: when you when you give your kids Christ and you, you give them that outlook on life. That it all comes from God, and and that it, they are taken care of and loved by God, mm-hmm. and there's that right relationship where it's not a um, a works relationship. Everything takes on a little bit of different color on the lens. And I actually yeah. had a really interesting conversation this week because I got rid of a camper because something gonna, more. You got rid of? I got rid of a camper because uh, we're going to get a trailer. Really nice guy, and we got to talking about kids, and uh, he just asked, you know, how old my kids were, and I give him, you know, the three-minute overview on the kids. And he's like, wow, you got really great kids, it sounds like. I go, yeah, we're really blessed, you know, all that. And he's like, how do you do that? I go, what do you mean? He goes, how do you do that? He goes, none of my friend's kids are doing well. Oh, bummer. All my friend's kids, are, none of them are doing well. And he goes, it's like a mystery. Huh? And so I, I, you know, they were raised in the church. We were the same people at church so that we were at home. My wife really, we you know she wanted to stay with them at home and 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 do the homeschooling thing and my parents were next door so they had all this attention and you know they had a big yard to play in we didn't do the video game thing all this I gave them a, a few things that we did but i said most importantly they had a relationship with the lord and and that became their their deal and i didn't ram it down their throat i led by example and he looked at like i was from like an alien the moon and no, he, this guy is, was a really nice guy. Yeah, I really like this guy. And my wife came up out of the backyard. She was doing weeds. She was he, doing weeds. Weeds. She was okay. picking weeds, All right, not I smoking weed or sure cultivating. What yeah. was going on there? Hey, we got to I mean, buy new, legal. I, I got to buy a better camper. A yeah. We got to, you know. Hey, oh you, you my know, goodness! Know, church jobs don't buy. I think you should campers, have said she's
0: pulling weeds. She was pulling. Weeds. I don't want to hear someone. She's doing weeds. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good. Yard
1: work. Yard work. Yeah. uh and he, he goes, Hey, we were just talking about your kids. So, what do you think the secret is? And she goes, Number one, I pray for my kids every day. And she basically went down the same list. And so, we were alien spacecraft.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: It was cool, though. He bought the camper and I got to pray for him. And he went down the road and he kind of had that RCA dog confused look. Like, Good. What just happened? So, he had a long ride up to Temecula to think about what just happened. So, it was cool. And he let me pray for him. Good. So, Anyway.
0: I hope that answers number three. I think maybe it kind of does. Show them Christ and then make sure that you're not just teaching them with your words, but they're watching your example,
1: so they're going to see how you live more than what you say. Right. And I've ministered a lot of kids over the years from Christian parents. Yeah. And your inconsistency as a Christian, they do what you do. They do not do what you say. Mm. And so if you're driving home from church gossiping about people, not a good idea. Uh, inconsistent. If you're doing things that are dishonest and you're preaching Christ to during the week, not a good idea. That They will see hypocrisy in that. Kids are like hypocrisy. They have like a hypocrisy sensor that's built in. They know when you are not being consistent. So uh, I'll throw that out. So that's how you give them joy. All right. Um, how can I have joy if my kids or someone I love, walked away from God? That's a heavy one. Yeah. That's a a
0: challenging question. I think that one of the things you have to continue, like your wife said, Mm -hmm. that she'd pray for her kids every single day. So, I mean, obviously we get a lot of prayer requests here that are parents praying for their kids who are adults now who are not walking with the Lord. So I think begin by really praying for your kids that they would return to the Lord and, um, you know, continue to reach out to them to bring them back to the Lord, to seek to bring them to the Lord
1: and uh wait upon the Lord. And I really like the example of the uh prodigal son. I was thinking of the same. Yeah, yeah, and and it's twofold. That that teaching is one, there was a very pharisaical son that was not um wasn't having the joy in wanting his brother to return to the father's house.
0: Ah, you're talking about the older the older, brother. The older son. Yeah. And
1: then there was the son that strayed and went away. Yeah. And I love the fact that the father had an expectation that his son would one day return. Waited he, for him daily. Yeah. Learn, Didn't run after him. Though. He learned his lesson. Yeah. Uh, but yes, he the son had to return and do that on his own free will, had to discover God, so to speak, in the pleasure of his father's and house. And that, that's an
0: area of trust as a parent, that you're going to leave them in the hands of the Lord to bring them.
1: Right. And so I think the joy factor comes in is, one, if there is something you have done to contribute to we'll call it spiritual delinquency, Hmm. of your child. Mm -hmm. I think you need to examine that. I think you need to repent of that. And I think it's really good and sobering to do that to your child. Yeah. And that may be, you know, son, I really feel bad because I, I gave you everything you wanted and that was a mistake. Or, you know what, I realized I didn't reflect Christ to you in this avenue. I did this. And uh, I'm going to apologize to you for that, and I'm going to continue to pray for you. So that's one thing. Get rid of that, Do the the guilt of that, and bring it before the Lord and repent of that. And then the, the I think the second one is to have that joy. You need to have that expectation that they belong to God, and He is squarely their business. Yeah, or he's, they're squarely God's business. Better said. So um, and. Uh, I also think on
0: this point though, like, so this, this says, uh, if your kids or someone I love have walked away from the Lord, you know, I I don't think we should let people walk away from the Lord easily. Like we, sometimes we just opt to not, not say anything about it. Like just kind of let it go. It's like, no, you know what? Go be that person who continues to, and not in a mean spirited or rude or obnoxious way, but continues to invite them back to the Lord. You know, my experience has been that people who walk away from the Lord, who have had a genuine experience with the Lord and his church, they're not happy.
1: No, they're miserable. Right. Yeah. That's been my experience anyway. So I jam people up. Really? I hadn't noticed. No. So like, I have a couple guys in my life uh-huh. that our uh, guys I've ministered to over the years and have done the wrong thing. And both of them are that I think of in my head right now, they're both divorced and they, they left their wives for another woman. You use the uh, Dr. Phil question? How's that working How's for that you? How's that working for you? Uh, that's I like that question. I call these guys once a year, once every six months, because yeah. uh, some of those relationships have ended, and, uh, <clears throat> and they're out of church. They're not in fellowship with the Lord. And But we've had relationships. We've gone, done mission stuff together, or done other stuff together, and I call them up and I'll go, hey, bro, what are you up to? And they're always happy to hear from me. Yep. And I'm like, hey, are you going to turn or are you going to burn? I joke with them. I go, "Are you going to hell, or are you, you know, you know? When are you get to go repent, let's go out and have a pizza together." Uh, and I'll do that. Yeah. And I, I can because of our relationship, and they know that I care about them. And before I let them go, I pray for them. Yeah. And uh, you know, and I might even be the knucklehead prayer, like, "Lord, I hope you grab a hold of them, whatever, shake them up." Yeah. And I do that, and I still have that relationship, and they still pick up my call. In fact, a guy uh, a little over a year ago.
0: And that's you're not you're not obnoxious.
1: No, no, no. I'm no. having fun with them. Yeah. they know it's me. Well, it's
0: like I got some people in my yeah. life too that I, like every time I see them, I go, "Hey, so I'm going to see you at church this weekend, right?" And they kind of chuckle. uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They get a little uncomfortable. When you're doing like, church in hey, a bar, I, you know, service yeah. times are at eight, 11.15. eleven fifteen. We'll see you on Sunday. I'll yeah. save a seat for yeah, you. I'll save a seat for you, especially in that third service. Yeah.
1: Well, what I like about those type of relationships is. When something bad goes down, and it always they does. know who to call. They actually, I did a memorial for the guy, for uh, his mother in law, or father in law of his who girlfriend you, or whatever. Who are you going to call? They call, yeah. Who are you going to call? They call me. Right. Because I still have contact. So I have a chance to actually preach Christ to him again. So, right on. Cool. So don't, they're God's problem. They're not your problem. Repent and have that joy because we serve a great and a mighty God, and he is totally capable of restoring that person, and they are on a path to find him again. Amen. All right. Number five. All right. If abiding in the word involves meditation, how do I meditate on the word? Good question.
0: Yes, I. Um, there's been a lot of talk in our culture today about mindfulness and meditation and there seems to be an, uh, a big uptake of meditation and there's like meditation apps on your phone and like guided meditation podcasts and all this sort of stuff. And um, I think that biblical meditation is not entirely difficult for someone to comprehend what it is. And I always use the example, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Because worry is just meditating upon whatever problem you have. And after a period of time of meditating on that problem, worrying about it, you know that problem from every single angle, all the way around, you know that problem really well. So the question is, how well have you meditated on the word and thought about it from every possible angle. This is why I always encourage people to memorize a passage of Scripture, and then just sit down and, you know, from memory, go through the entire thing. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, and just sit and dwell on that. Think about that. What does it mean, you know, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly? What's that mean, to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly? And spend a good 10, 15, 20 minutes, if you got the time, spend a half hour thinking about just that, you know. Consider it from every possible angle, and, and pray. Lord, open my eyes to behold the wonders in your word. That's what the psalmist says. And Lord, reveal to me truth as I think on this. And God, he's faithful to do it. So that's, that's what comes to my mind when I think about meditating upon the word. Think on,
1: think on these things, man. Think on these things. That's yeah. right. You ever hear the word ruminate? Ruminate. It's a good word. I think it means to like chew like a cow again and again and again. I hear it said. don't ruminate on that. Well, I think it's good to ruminate on God's word to dwell on it and to think about it. And though I, I like that. Uh, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I found that to be, I don't remember where I heard that. I didn't come up with that on my own. I heard it from someone years ago and I thought, man, that is so true because I'm sure you've worried about some things in, in life. And when I've worried about something, it's like, man, you start to know that problem in every possible way. And then of course, someone comes and says, oh, you should stop worrying about that because, and they give you some answer. You go, no, I've thought about that too. Yeah, I got that one. I already got that one. That's one of my answers on answer number
1: 72. It didn't help me at all. Thanks. I I, got to admit something. You don't worry? No, no, I'm not saying I don't worry. Oh, okay. I don't worry a lot. Well, that's good. I'm I'm kind of a lousy worrier. Yeah. I just... Okay, but that's not not all that atypical for
0: guys. Guys have a better way of kind of compartmentalizing so they can kind of put that thought in a box and go think about something else. It's like when your wife says, what are you thinking about? You can a guy can literally say nothing, absolutely nothing, and they think, "Come on, you're lying to me." He's Like, nope i i the the mind just went into sub- suspend mode, and I wasn't thinking about a single thing.
1: Yeah, it's like, what? yeah, no, I can think about nothing. Yep, yeah, it's I, great. I do
0: it often. It's great. So, yeah, yeah, my wife thinks I'm crazy when I say, "Yeah, nothing."
1: What were you thinking? I was not. Nope. Don't. So Sometimes. that's probably why we have wives. They worry for us. Yeah. So, like, I'll frustrate my wife because. Sometimes she thinks about. She's a former nurse, yes. so she thinks about medical things, uh-huh. right? And then we're around a lot of sick people, and so we see a lot of tragedy, right? All,
0: all nursing school does for uh, a woman is expose her to every possible thing that could kill her,
1: right? And then with our jobs, we're around a lot of sick people, and we have empathy for them, yeah. But we see all this, you know, and we read the prayer request, and there, you know, there's thirty cancer prayers or whatever, you just all these things, and she'll go, I'll go, oh, wow, that hurts. She goes, what is it? I go. It's stage six cancer. Stage six stage six there isn't there isn't. Oh, she goes, What? I go. I was gonna go to the doctor, but I'll probably Stage six is six feet under. Yeah, and I'll go like, I'll probably be dead by the morning, so I'm not even gonna bother. We'll most likely kill you in the morning. She I get the dirtiest look. Yeah. But I think in a way it's like See, my poor wife, she's in the
0: ICU Mm -hmm. and people come into the ICU and seventy two hours ago they were fine. Life was great everything's perfect. And now they're in a bed in the ICU and they've got terminal stage four abdomen cancer and they're going to die in like five days. It's like, she sees this stuff on a regular basis. So every life can be great. And then she has like a stomach pain and it's like, and now all these thoughts of all these people she's treated in the ICU just come flooding back. Not that those things are true, but yeah. That's why I go right to stage six cancer. There you go.
1: Yeah. That's what I got. That's what I got right there.
0: Oh yeah, that's frustrating. My her. wife's joke joke and I actually really like it is that uh the Lord has healed her from many forms of cancer because in her mind she Okay. She has I, a pain and it's like, "Oh, it's cancer." And then she finds out, "No, it's not." And it's, it's like,
1: "See, the Lord healed me. I'm good." <laughs> it's a little scary how you and I are so different and sometimes come up with the Very same similar. answer. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah. Well, let's see, you've battled lymphoma and, you know, diabetes and early onset of Alzheimer's this week. So, yeah, you're probably going to make good. it through the you're stage good. six cancer. So, you know, that's just Our me. Our poor
0: wives. Oh, the poor The Bible things. calls them a weaker vessel, and I can see this as an area of being a little
1: bit weaker. They're weak because they're putting up with us. They, I mean, yeah. they don't have no, enough no, energy. Hard, they're carrying you know, us,
0: man. You know, your, your immune system can only battle so many things at a time.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. gosh.
0: We've weakened their
1: immune systems. Oh.
0: They're immune deficient because they're married to us. I...
1: I once heard a comedian say, speaking of the ICU, you're probably a redneck if you've had a member of your family die after saying, hey, watch this. Watch this. Or, hey, hold my beer a second. (laughs) 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 You're probably... Who is that guy? uh, Foxworthy. 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 Uh, I I think he's a Christian. I, you know, he might be. I don't know.
0: Maybe I'm wrong. I'm no, 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 no. I think he else. is. No. somebody's gonna. I, I don't think Larry go, the oh, Cable no, Guy yeah. is a Christian. No,
1: no, no. But Foxworthy, I think, is a Christian. I think he did a famous... Jim Gaffigan. He's Catholic. He's funny. He performed for the Pope. He did. Yeah. What would we do if we were going to perform for the Pope? <laughs> Pray. Pray our father, but the new way, I guess. Not me, man. I'm sticking with the old school. Okay. I go with the come Lord Jesus, be our guest. Prison prayer. Okay. One more question. All right. We answered that. Yeah, we totally answered that. So I'm chew on it, meditate on it, think meditate, about it. Let think. it be every it. part of your day, that day. Let it let it go meditate through. Meditate day and night.
0: Yes. Do not turn from the right hand or to the left, that you may
1: prosper in all that you do. So my wife gets these cool books, uh-huh. and there's one of them by Stormy Omardian. Maybe I'm saying her name wrong. Wow, that's wrong. a crazy name. Yeah, it sounds like Omartian. That's what I always say. She gets after me. But M- it's her first name is Stormy? Stormy, yeah. Yeah, that's not a good yeah. name anymore. Praying... For your adult children, this oh, book, okay. praying for your husband, praying for um, yeah. So, and there she's got these little books, and she gives them to people who are having trouble with kids. Uh, but just the power in just praying for that person, and those are good reminders. So uh, that's part of meditating: is you're thinking about it, and you're putting the power to the problem. All right, number six. I was taught that before. I was taught that before that you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit after you are saved. Are you saying we get it when we are saved? Okay, and I'm just reading the question like yeah, it's yeah, yeah, written. Yeah. So, yeah, that I'm not doing any grammar editing or. Anything. It's all good. Yeah, you it's know, good. So you get grammar edit on the fly. Yeah. I think I get
0: it. So yeah, this gramification. This comes from, the, this comes from my message on Sunday because okay. I made the the passing comment that I don't believe in the second blessing view, which is a more Pentecostal view, more charismatic view. Blessing the part do. Blessing part. Dude, look at you. Second going French, French again. word of the man, name, Oh, man, man dude. Allez-vous francais? I'm properly bilingual. I took French for three years and I, I can count to like 10 and say hello, and that's about it. I can say my name is Je Miles.
1: That's about wow. it. But other than that, uh, yes, yeah, no bueno. I used to work with a lot of Cajuns. No bull. Bon. And uh, Cajun French is way different, bro. Because it's a mixture of English and French and, yeah. and Louisiana. Yeah, it's cool.
0: Louisiana. It's cool. So. Anyway, so um, second blessing. So there are some people who believe that the there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit that comes subsequent to salvation, so after salvation. And so, you know, it's like you get saved, and then you might just be a Christian for a while, and then someone comes along, and they pray for you and lay hands on you to receive the baptism of the holy spirit and then you you receive this baptism of the holy spirit associated oftentimes with gifts and people generally are looking for the gift of tongues a lot of times in the more charismatic expression of christianity and um, i don't see this second blessing teaching necessarily in the scriptures because there's there's nothing in the scripture that says the baptism of the holy spirit there is in 1 corinthians 12:13 paul writes there for by one spirit we are all baptized into one body and this is baptism by the Spirit, and Jesus is the one who's baptizing, baptizing us with or in or by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that that happens at conversion, because Paul says, for by one Spirit, we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free. We have been all made to drink into one Spirit. So uh, John the Baptist... Um, he said that I baptize you with water, but there is one coming who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus is the one who baptizes us with the Holy Spirit at conversion. So I believe that Christians, when they put their faith in Christ and are saved, they are baptized by Christ Christ with the Holy Spirit. They receive the Holy Spirit indwelling them. And the way I like to say it is that um, at conversion, a Christian has all of the Holy Spirit, but I don't think that the Holy Spirit has all of us. And so as we experience a, a yielding, as we continue to yield to the work of the Spirit in our lives, then we experience in, we experience more of His enabling power. Now, that's not to say that there aren't times where we experience a subsequent filling, because Paul says in Ephesians, be filled with the right. Holy Spirit. And the word is, is literally be being filled, continually filled. So we're constantly asking God to continue to fill us. Um, but I, I would add to this that a lot of times the... The more charismatic Christians are looking for the gifts of the Spirit to be the evidence of the Holy Spirit working in a person's life, and I would say that the better evidence of the the Spirit of God in a person's life are the, is the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, and so forth. So Galatians five twenty two and twenty three. So, so I believe that at conversion you have all of the Holy Spirit, and um, and you need to continue to be filled by Him. But that baptism by the Holy Spirit from Jesus happens at conversion. Any thoughts? Well, I, I'm glad. You know,
1: we you and I have never had this discussion before. Okay? Uh and I'm glad you answered it like that because part of my early Christian experience yeah, with some more too. Pentecostal I yeah. uh-huh. charismatic people, uh we'll call them, um there was some I I feel like some really inaccurate teaching and sometimes inaccurate teaching can really hurt people and hinder people, slow people down in their relationship with the Lord. And um one of the really it's really discouraging when somebody thinks i'm not getting the gifts of the spirit that i'm praying for somehow they feel like either they're not saved or they're a second class citizen or there's something wrong with them and it can really stunt right. a person's growth and typically with some teachers they really focused on the gift of tongues right that's generally the one and if or healing. i was going to say that there's misconceptions and misuse yeah uh, that's going to be an area that can lead to a lot of lot of um, uh, like dissension and uh, disagreement. Let's say, yeah. but also uh, just bumming some people out. They feel well, like they're second class citizens, and I know. And this, I, I'm glad you say
0: that yeah. the second class citizen yeah. thing, because see, most of the time when people start to talk about the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They they are the second blessing, subsequent right, filling right. kind of thing. They look for these those power or prophetic gifts, so right. healing and tongues and interpretation of tongues and prophecy, word of knowledge, you know. And so, I a number of times over the years, I've met those who you know I, I have the gift of prophecy, and they have a prophecy for me, and it's like, yeah, that's that's totally not the Lord. Like the Did thing. Did you get you a said, rock and throw it at them? Yeah, I've thought about it, kind okay, of stone yeah. you with yeah. some yeah. pebbles. say saith the Lord, guys. But, you know, I I taught. Uh, law. Is it always
1: in King James? The at the time, thus saith
0: the Lord, okay. thou shalt, yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I taught out of First Corinthians uh, 12, 13, and 14 um, back in 2011, because I, I brought these notes up here real quick. Um, and why is this important? I had this in my notes and I I wrote here, and I think that this goes along with what you said about the, the class system of Christians, if you will. The second blessing teaching is not a biblical doctrine. It creates a caste system within Christianity, wherein you have the spiritual and the not so spiritual, the empowered and the lacking, the gifted and the inept. And, and unfortunately I've met a number of Christians who just, they're, they're kind of living a, um, I guess I wouldn't say a defeated life, but they're they're feeling pretty depressed, if you will, because they see all the people. I was going to say, that the word I like
1: is derailed a little bit. They're yeah. really focusing on the fact they can't do this particular thing. Right, and then
0: they, they, well, I guess I'm just not filled with the Spirit like that guy over there. I don't have the anointing like that guy over there. It's like, right. no, 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 no. You know, what we were looking at this last weekend is John says, you have an anointing from the Holy One. So God has anointed you with his Holy Spirit at conversion. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 Corinthians 6. And yes, he has gifted you. You may not know what those gifts are, although you might have some sort of clue because of the things that God already has you doing within the kingdom. But Paul even says in the passage on gifts, the two biggest passages on gifts that Paul uses is 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14. And right in the middle of that, he says, but I show you a better way or a more excellent way. And then he talks about love, which is the fruit of the spirit.
1: And, and I, I, I'm assuming you're okay with people getting together to pray and say, hey, Lord, I'd like to experience that gift, or, or, or I'd know really what like it to is. have that. I'd like to know what that is. Yeah. I'd like to yeah. be part of my life. And, and How like does Paul say that.
0: it? He says, Earnest, earnestly desire the best gifts, but I show you a better way. That's, right. Yeah. And
1: so, um, like, I think one of the greatest gifts and the most miraculous, th- I mean, I've seen healings of cancer, all kinds of uh-huh. crazy miraculous things over my life. Right. But to this day, the most miraculous thing that I've ever seen is that God changes hearts, and he swaps our hearts out. And that's a miracle because... If anyone is
0: in Christ, they are a new creation.
1: Yes, when your heart changes from you being the boss of the applesauce, so to speak, to God being the boss of the applesauce, and sometimes it's a process for people, Um, when your heart changes... God takes things out of your lives sometimes that are so horrendous and changes you and that's a miracle and like yeah. I know that psychologists look at that and they go how did that happen you know uh, I got a report yesterday from a guy that you know was having a tough time last year tried to take his life 197 days sober that's awesome and that is a gift from the God from God and that does not happen without the holy spirit in your life Reminding you, encouraging you, leading you.
0: And I would add to that, uh, not to only that. the Holy Spirit in your life, but the Holy Spirit in the lives of other
1: people in the body of Christ. Correct. Uh, supporting you in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Life in connection with God and on one another. another. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, and I know that some of our, uh, one of my, you know, go to or a favorite Bible commentator that I, I definitely had recommended to people, he's a little flat on the gifts uh, would be uh, J. Vernon McGee. I think he he's not a uh, a big gifts guy, but I really respect what he has to say about things and, and this you know uh, and he has a lot of other good teachings. Yeah, but uh, well, I and I
0: mean, I I gotta say, I have a lot of very good friends whom I love, and we agree on ninety nine point nine percent of theology, but we have a disagreement on this. They they hold to a second blessing view, and it's like you know what we we still have unity. We still they're still believers. We just have a disagreement on this point.
1: Right, and at the end of the day. Just get the blessing God to begin bless with, them. right? Yeah. Walk in the spirit. Yeah.
0: Don't fulfill absolutely. the fl- lust of the flesh. Yeah. Have the fruit of the spirit in your life in abundance. If you got the fruit of the spirit in your life and you're walking in the spirit, it's like, "Hey, praise God, I'm good yeah. with it."
1: Ultimately, I don't want to do anything to stunt my spiritual growth. That's I, for sure. But I also don't want to get so far out there in things that God's not Yes, because I of, have seen some wacky yes. things over the weird, over the yeah. years that
0: are called the Spirit, and I go, that is not the Spirit. No. Like, I, I remember a guy years ago, we used to have a coffee shop that we ran, his place, and this guy would come in every week, and he was drunk in the Spirit. And I was like, you ain't drunk in the Spirit at all. Yeah. This
1: has nothing to do with the Spirit of God. So... And that's kind of dangerous territory. Right. Uh, the... Uh, it leads people astray. The in fake a big way. And the gifts thing and all that—that's and I've seen it done plenty of times. Oh man! And uh, for people to fit lots in, lots so. of YouTube videos with that stuff out there. Let <whistles> the oh, bodies boy. hit the floor. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Old uh, anything. So I think—is that it? I think show? that's it. This was show twenty, bro. Is this twenty? I
0: think so. Man, look at us—we're on a roll, man.
1: We hit twenty-five. It's like—it's all downhill from there. No, it's like a quarter of a hundred. Man, look at you, Mister Math Magician. You know what? We've had more missions on this podcast than NASA to the moon. Well, yeah, I had to think about that for a short second, but... I didn't think about it at all. I just put it out like it was truth and just see what happens. I think you're probably right. I know. There you go. There you go. I hear we're going back to the moon, maybe next year. Really? What are we going to do there? We're going to have a moon base. Really? Do you think they eat moon pies? I don't know. You think Apple will have a store there? They need one. You want to hear a funny thing? Huh. My daughter worked with a guy who saw the movie The Martian. Oh, my goodness. You, and thought it was a real story. True story. A true story. Goes, no, not. we haven't been. Oh, no, we've been to Mars. We left a guy there. Yeah, legit, uh, bro. Oh, goodness I gracious. think he was out in the backyard picking weed. Yeah. So. Anyways. Yeah.
0: Do we? Okay, I have a request if our listeners have made it this far. So uh, we've been given a little byword. We have some people who come and tell us at the end of this uh, or on services on Sunday. They listened. All the I have
1: there. one. If you don't,
0: well, I, well, you can add it to this as okay. well. But if you have listened this far, to man, we're over an hour long here. Um, go, wh- whoever you subscribe to our podcast through, if it's through Apple or through Android or whoever it is. Go and review the podcast. Give us five stars and give us a review, a happy, a good review. If you, if you can't do five stars, don't do anything. Yeah, if, don't you don't wanna, if you don't have enough strength to do all five stars, don't yeah, even get off yeah, the couch. Don't, don't do it. Please, we'll come minister to four you. Four stars we'll will just you. hurt my social self-esteem, so, don't, yeah. so don't, don't, don't do that. But if you got five stars for us, do five stars and leave a comment, like a review, of how great it is, because I'm, I'm doing this for a reason. It, it'll increase the ability
1: for people to find our podcast. It's kind of funny when you you know you enter the search thing. Yeah, we're like coming up in the we show up on there three. Yeah, it's crazy. Yep. So well, Mark, we're we're nearly famous. All right. Well, nearly I think if you're famous. squarely spiritually in the right place, yes, you're not off in the weeds. Uh huh. So I would say for my people, they come up to me this week and go, Pastor Miles or Pastor Mark, I'm not off in the weeds. Not
0: off in the weeds. I'm not off in the weeds. <laughs> And it's Father's Day, so make sure you're here. Yeah. And call your dad.
1: Yeah, call your dad. All right, peace out. Adios.